Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Conversations. Uh, today's guest is Nancy Ruth Dean. She is our breakup expert. And this started off as talking about breaking up and all the things that come into play when that happens. And it turned deep and it was a lot about inner work and how to recover and get back to a, a place mentally where you can handle your life and more relationships that come your way and just regular relationships that are in your life, not necessarily with a partner. So anyway, very interesting. Hopefully you guys will enjoy it. If you want to reach out to me, you can find me on all the socials, um, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Conversations Podcast. Also, if you have any ideas for the show, please reach out at any of those platforms. You can DM me or you can find me at Conversations at gmail.com. I would love to hear your ideas, or if you'd want to be on the show, all are welcome. Okay, guys, here we go. Hello. Hi, Don. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Thank you. Awesome. Now, do you want me to refer you as Nancy or Nancy Ruth, or what do you like to be called? Um, Nancy's good. I go by like my full name, but that's kind of <laughs> it's kind of weird. So just call me Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> it's not weird. I just want to make sure I said it right. Um, okay, so I have been dying to talk to you today. I have a friend that is going through a huge breakup, so this is like so fresh for me. I just am wanting to pick your brain. Yay. I'm excited. Let's go. Let's do this. Okay. So I want everybody, I've listened to a couple of podcasts and read up all on you, but not everybody has. So basically, um, you wanted to be a matchmaker. That's where this all kind of started, correct? Yes. So I got my first like intuitive hit at 16. It was either 16 or 17. I'm pretty sure I was 16 watching Millionaire Matchmaker on Bravo TV. I loved that show. Right. And actually, it's kind of surprising because some people are like, they're ride or die that show where they're like, I've never heard of that. So <laughs> it's is really she still doing it. Do you have any idea? She's still matchmaking. She, she I know that I think it was like a year and a half. That was a recent episode, but I haven't seen any more. And maybe we'll get to this later. But like I, I shifted out of matchmaking, but matchmaking was like, the be all and end all for me because I just was like, this girl is exactly who I want to be. She's kind of like rough around the edges, but she's yeah. really like, she's very perceptive and she's very quick to just like know what to do. And I was like, wow, like that either feels like me or that's who I want to be. I'm not really sure what's <laughs> happening, but like, that's what I want. And then I moved to the West coast from like a suburb of Toronto and I like, three days into my trip I was like I got to call matchmaking agencies and I ended up talking to her uh this girl that was exactly like her and oh, then funny. as a as a funny side note um I actually went Patty Stanger was doing the millionaire matchmaker was actually doing this show at 
like a convention. So I actually got to talk to her and I got her photo and everything. It was just so much fun. She like made fun of the shoes I was in, even though I was like, I took a fairy with like crazy, like leather <laughs> shoes in the pouring rain. It was really bad. She's like, you need to change your shoes if you want to like have a good quality date. I'm like, okay, I'll do what you say. You know. <laughs> so that's kind of how it all started. That's so cool. You got to meet her though. That had to have been the most surreal thing ever. It was so good to meet her and I'm kind of sad about this but she actually signed her book for me and I don't I have no idea where that book is I I'm convinced it got stolen but oh no I know it's tragic but I'll live <laughs> okay so you meet her and you decide this is the path that you want to be on you want to start matchmaking people and then what so when I talk to a woman who sounded a whole lot like Patty Stanger. She told me within like three minutes of our call, you're not ready. Um, you know, call me another. Know what that means. That means like, don't call me again, probably. Right, but right. I kind of I just took in what she said. There was just a part of me that was like, you know, I want to work under somebody who's like Patty Stanger, who has that, um, just that, that knowing yeah yeah exactly and I kind of just put it to the side a year later I was like applying for another job and I had to use LinkedIn um little did I know like I re-added all these contacts and she was one of them and I was like oh it's been a year like I'm just gonna ask her if I can shadow her at work and she ended up saying I'm hiring let's have an interview in a few days and then you know I got the job not too too long after that and it thus began like the craziest journey of my life. Oh my God. I'm so jealous. Like I can't <laughs> even imagine just being picked up and set into that world. Um, at, I just kind of being like nosy, you know, getting into people's business. Like, so what are you looking for? And, you know, tell me about your past. And I just think that'd be so fun. Well, that's what it was. Honestly, I think like nosiness was like kind of the, the right word because on one hand, I had to be like that. And, you know, when I started, I was just pretty much a sponge. I I just knew, like, I wanted to be, like, the best assistant. I grew into being a manager and then, like, really kind of, like, running the business. Um, but I started out just, like, watching these interviews happen and just recording all of this data. I call it data. Um, yeah. Just what everybody wanted, because we'd often ask just the same kinds of questions. And, um, but then I would also get to a point in my life where if I went anywhere, people would be like, oh, you're the matchmaker. And they would just go and tell me about their stories, anywhere from like <laughs> their divorce to, um, you know, how they're dating two people at once and they want my advice. And it's like, I, I, I turned into being a matchmaker and I, kind of like lost myself like I nobody really referred me as Nancy anymore it was just very much like you're the matchmaker you're the matchmaker oh my gosh I know you I've heard of you um because Vancouver is kind of a small city right you know mm -hmm. not everyone's a matchmaker in this world so it was kind of um kind of cool in that way but I also would get it, it I would always have to be a listening ear, which was great in the beginning. And then yeah, I was like, that would get old. Yeah. Yeah. But I did that for three and a half years. Um, and then 
once I kind of had enough because I got to a point where, okay, I had been dating somebody <laughs> for a year. Um, and as soon as I got the job, we ended up going through a breakup, which is actually really weird. Um, so we broke up for like six months and I kind of started to realize that I had no idea what inner work was. Um, so when we broke up for the second time, this whole kind of, and I'm sure you know exactly what I mean when I say this, like when one thing falls apart, another thing falls apart and then another thing falls apart, but you're having this like rebirth situation, right? So I was going through this big breakup. I was like somehow matchmaking, you know, people were just telling me what they wanted, but I noticed they weren't doing any inner work, but I noticed that because I was in need of inner work, but I didn't like know. It was like, I I knew that I didn't know what to do because I'd never been taught any of this. Yeah. Nobody has. Exactly. And then a year after my breakup, I'm still matchmaking. It's like, this is the big kind of like moment for me when it comes to inner work was like, it was a year into my breakup. I got so angry because I got this like nice emails to you and they're like, yeah, I just wish you all the best. And you're like, screw you. Like, you know, <laughs> that, that, that was like, I was having that moment. Like my blood was boiling that day. And I had met this woman a few weeks before and she was like a spiritual teacher. And I just, I called her at like 11 PM that night. And I'm like, you need to help me with this. Like, I'm so angry at him. It's been a year. Like, how am I still going through this? Right. And everyone's always, they hear this and they're like, oh my gosh, you were still not over them after a year. Like I'm screwed. Like, um, but I called her and she's like, Nancy, I can, I can help you with this, but you're going to really, really you're going to need to want help with this. And I'm like, of of course I do. Like, that's why I'm calling. She's like, okay. And then she started kind of walking me through step by step her process on like how to kind of see into what's going on for me, not just like looking at the external world. It was like the first time I ever I ever really saw into myself, even though I always considered myself like an intuitive, perceptive Mm -hmm. person. Mm -hmm. This moment, I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm literally creating this suffering. Like I'm creating this narrative. And more than that, like this narrative has actually hung around with me most of my life. It's just showing up this way in my breakup. And as soon as that moment happened, like she was my spiritual teacher. We did so much inner work together. Um, we were friends, but I was also her mentee. And meanwhile, in my matchmaking, this was not just like having an effect on my on myself. I was going to work and I was wanting to kind of just share what I was learning with others because it would just be so flat when people would say, like, this is what I want. I'd just be like, why do you want that? Like, right. And it it wasn't like, um, it wasn't like I was interrogating them, but I just was genuinely wondering like, oh, why is it that you want that? Like, why is that so important to you? And then the big thing in my career was this time my boss had forwarded me this email because this 
female client that I was working with, she's like, she, she had this really, really particular list that I, that she was hard pressed for. Like we were not going to get her to budge at all. And I just kind of was like trying to talk her through it, trying to kind of see into what's going on here. Like maybe there's another way to go about this. And then later that day, my boss forwards me this email and it's just, and it reads like, I'm not looking to get like psychotherapy, psychotherapy lessons from Nancy. And I just remember being like, I remember just like reading that being like, she's so right. Like in matchmaking, they don't, they don't want help. They want you to take their list and go make that list show up in a person like that's it. Yeah. And I was like, because inner work is not fun. Nobody wants to do that. (laughs) And they call it work for a reason. And people don't want to do that. They're like, no, no, just go shopping for me. Just find me that that person that fits all those criteria. That's all I need from you, dear. Thank you. (laughs) Exactly. And don't get me wrong. Like I've totally been I was in that place because it was so unconscious for me. So I would just keep And, you know, we don't get really good advice from, I mean, now I think we get it a little bit more, especially if you, if, if you start spending time with people who are doing some form of inner work or healing, um, you'll get some deeper, some deeper nuggets of wisdom, but for the most part, and this was my case until I really met my spiritual teacher, it's just like, you haven't met the right one, or don't worry, they're out there, or, you know, you'll meet them later, or just like, Nothing, nothing that supported me taking responsibility for my, my dating circumstances, because when I look at it, and this was like really hard, and I did have resistance with this, just like most of us, there's, it, it's nothing about us having issues in our dating life. It's really just like, what, what are the patterns that show up in our our dating lives like that's not by coincidence like the way that we feel in our relationships that's not a coincidence there's so much juiciness and goodness that if we stopped labeling it bad or labeling it like no no it's their fault it's not my fault at all like we're not really gonna if we can get past that and just give ourselves permission to get curious about ourselves we're going to like enlighten the crap out of ourselves and see what's really going on yeah. So it, do you, I'm just thinking like a metaphor. So do you think of it as like, you have this backpack and every time you're in a relationship that goes south, you know, you just start filling this backpack of all of these things that you don't want, or you do want, and you just keep carrying that around with you. And, and into each relationship, you're like, okay, you can't have this. And I don't want this. And if you act like this, then I'm out. And then at some point you just need to take the backpack off <laughs> just realize like I need to focus on me and not this stuff that I carry around with me all the time oh yeah that's a great great way to put it I think there's 100% that and because at the end of the day like we are carrying so so much right like we our lives are even if we think we have a boring life like we're carrying so much and and the thing that can be difficult is you don't know you're carrying the backpack of course and there's just so much subconscious weight happening that um, it really affects us. And I think 
the big thing for me and what's really helped me and my clients is seeing like, you know, Joe that I dated two years ago, like it wasn't him that made me the way that I am today. In fact, it's the narrative that was created when I was young, like from different types of interactions that actually set a foundation, set this narrative that Joe then became a part of. And Joe okay. was just figurative. I never dated a Joe. Joe, if you're out there listening, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not you. Um, <laughs> but it's a belief system. It's a belief it's, system. Like, oh, when I was in sixth grade, I saw uh, Tammy date this really cute boy. And they were like the perfect couple. And so then you put this image in your head of what you think perfect is. Yeah, exactly. Or like you were, and and this is my case, this probably resonates with everybody, like, you you were not the hot girl. <laughs> you were not the hot girl in elementary school. And you might have a variety of experiences. And you might be this fabulous woman now inside and out, but like you don't know that your confidence where it is right now, and you might be trying to cover it up hardcore, like like I certainly did before I started doing inner work. You might be trying to cover it up being like, no, I'm super, super confident, but you're really that, that same kid. Yeah, exactly. So that's where like inner work comes in. And that's where people get kind of curious about breakup coaching because they think that they're going to come and talk about their breakups and they absolutely are. But we're, we're going to these places that you thought were totally unrelated Mm -hmm. and, and are really the backbone for why you think and feel the way that you do in the relationship that you had. Cause I talk to so many different people and they're true. And it, you know, it doesn't matter who it is or what age you are. Like you're really going, if you keep seeing it, and I think this is really important to hear. And this is what my spiritual teacher used to just like tell me all the time. If you think it's really coming from that person, then it's just going to pop up again in the future. And then you're going to think, oh, you know, it's coming from this person now. And then next thing you know, you have like no friends or no relationships because you're not able to go inside of you and see what was what started this whole narrative in the first place. Because once you can see the narrative, then you can remove it from the person and then you can remove the resentment and you can give forgiveness and this this whole clearing starts to happen. Gosh, that is so, so you are like the unbiased friend that hears their side and then just says, okay, let's, let's peel some layers back here and see where this started. Yeah. I think that that's a good way to put it for sure. And I think a lot of people definitely talk to me about just the fact that they've had all of these different types of opinions from people. And it's just like really good. Even their therapist too. they're like, I'm working with the therapist, but like, I wanted to talk to somebody like breakup specific who like, doesn't know me like yeah. from Adam. So, um, yeah, pretty much. Well, there are so many factors that get thrown into that though. Like what their role models were, like, were their parents, were they in a healthy relationship? Did their parents get divorced? Do they even talk to their dad? I mean, there's got to be so many things that also go into it besides the fact that they are in maybe just a super crappy relationship. Yeah. And that's, 
that's the thing too. And this is just what's coming up for me right now is, you know, well, I'll talk to people who are in their forties or fifties and they'll be like, no, I, I dealt with that. You know, I dealt with the divorce or I processed that at the time. And it's like, yeah, you, you did, but everything that we're feeling today in our relationships, like it's not, it's something in the past showing up again. I see. And I think what really helped me do the inner work a lot is knowing that in any given moment when I feel triggered, whether it's something that was like said to me and I'm married now, but like when I was doing, and you have to do the inner work, by the way, like some people are like, oh, can I just do the inner work during my breakup? And then like, I'm set in my next relationship. You're definitely a lot more set. Yeah. <laughs> you do the inner work during your breakup. It's why I've, I've chosen to kind of be, do the help people do the inner work in the interim stage, if you will. Um, but every time you get triggered, it's an opportunity to heal something that's happening in the moment that's coming from that narrative that's like really deeply built. And it's not, and I'm just like springing off this right now because I know and you're going to ask me about boundaries and stuff. I have a feeling. <laughs> Um, I have no idea what I'm going to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, well, we'll just see. We'll just see what you're going to ask. But that's right. Um, when it comes to boundaries, because some a lot, this is something that comes up a lot. People will have a session with me and they'll just be like, I think I really need to work on my boundaries. And I say that's great, you know, because most of the time we learn about boundaries when when we realize people have really crossed our boundaries and then that's when we're learning about the boundary in the first place. Right. Yeah. But here's what can happen. And this is why I'm a really big fan of inner work because doing inner work is not just like realizing your boundaries and putting all these boundaries around people. And like, cause that's just kind of protecting yourself. Sometimes you'll definitely need to do that and have space of course. And that'll be the right course of action. Like depending on who you are, there's, everybody's story is so uniquely different. Right. But, but what I will say is like your work doesn't end because you're like, oh, I just need to put up boundaries with this person. Like you also need to do inner work to find that inner freedom with that person based on how they are and not how you have to kind of like make them show up because of the boundaries that you've created. Cause that doesn't, that's not like a freedom filled relationship and that could be with your mom or your sister or cousin or friend or whoever right mm -hmm. so I think it's really important to just that's just a big one that comes up for me all the time is like are my boundaries healthy and like is this how I'm supposed to do a boundary and it's like as long as you're putting up a boundary when it feels necessary for you but you're also doing inner work that's leading you closer to feeling freedom as opposed to like maintaining that resistance between that person then you're probably doing it right so you're you're basically saying like don't say you're putting up a bunch of boundaries just to avoid having to confront your issues like right exactly if I put up enough boundaries then it's them it's not me <laughs> Yeah, like there are different circumstances for each of us, right? So I can't speak to, I can only speak to what gave me like a profound level of freedom, which is, and I know we're here to really talk about breakups, but 
but how we show up in our relationships, like it, it'll show up everywhere. And that's sure. why it's, it's important to kind of talk about this, not just as, you know, Tom that I dated. I also didn't date a Tom, but um, <laughs> no, cause it all is, it all goes together. It's you as a person, how you perceive everything about yourself. Cause you carry your person into every relationship, whether it's your, with your parents or your boyfriend, it's all, it's you, you're the common denominator. Exactly. And I think what can happen is, you know, we, we, let's say we put up a boundary with our mom or dad, but we just like, we're like, no, that, so I have to put the boundary up and you just keep it up there for like years and years and years. And you think because it's like coming from them, but then you also find that, you know, your last breakup kind of went south and they told you like, you know, you really keep me at an arm's length and I don't know why. And they're like, well, that's not how I feel, you know? So it's actually what can be really helpful is seeing how you feel currently during your breakup and seeing if there's other places in your life where you kind of feel that way. And you might okay. you might be tempted to say, nope, this is the only area of my life that I feel this way. And that could be true because I don't know you listening, right? Right. That could be true. But then you have to ask yourself, where have I felt this before? And it might be something related to work two years ago. Who knows? Or a conversation with a friend. But then you want to you keep going back and seeing the trail and seeing like, when did I really first start feeling this way? Because you know, we set this foundation for how we see the world and our emotions, like when we are so young, five, six, seven, eight, like that's where it's coming from. And when we can kind of like pull the, we can pull the root out or we can at least see where it started, then we don't have so much blame for what we're seeing in front of us. Cause sometimes, and I know we're going like super deep today. Yeah. But sometimes, let's say you have an overbearing mother, you might perceive like your overbearing mother as like, you know, like unsafe. You might just say that like she's unbearing, but emotionally you feel unsafe for some reason and you don't really know why. When you go and you go right, right to the beginning of time and you figure out what was going on, what you see in the moment, you see with clarity and neutrality and it's not charged anymore. And then you can see what's really happening, which might very well just simply be love. Like my mom's not overbearing. She's just a mom that shows a tremendous amount of love. And she does that through her actions and through her words. And that's something that I want to embrace now that I know, now that I see where the root is coming from. Right. Um, I liked how you are kind of trying to help people like um, redefine how, how the breakup experience should go. Like um, you shouldn't date immediately after a big breakup or you should only be grieving your, the loss of your relationship for a month, you know, like that people put these pressures on themselves to have it go a certain way. And I want you to speak to that about how that's not a good thing to do to yourself. Yeah. And that's a, it's such a, it's such a good question because I don't know about you, but like, I think we're incredibly hard on ourselves. For sure. Just, 
just so hard on ourselves like and you know movies don't really help us I don't really actually I'm not like a huge fan of blaming Hollywood I know like a lot of people are I'm not really one of those peeps but truthfully like we 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 really I I don't I don't I think it comes from movies like you're just supposed to just grieve for you know a few weeks or a month and then you're just supposed to be like done yeah you're supposed to be like magically moved on and I think that really does a disservice to us because what is really going on during a breakup it's not what we think it is it's like this it's this healing chapter of our lives and we're healing a lot we're we're dealing with things like our confidence and self-worth and we're going through this breakup and nobody likes to hear this but if we allow ourselves to hear it maybe it'll resonate in the future but you know we're going for this break we're going through this breakup for a reason and that reason is typically pointing towards in some way shape or form like helping you become your authentic self um like that version of you that that feels really good in their skin mm-hmm. and what we often think is like when we're going through a breakup that's like our low but sometimes it's actually we were covering up that inauthenticity or that low self-confidence in that relationship so when it gets removed we start to feel that way and not everybody's going to resonate with that right well I think oh there's so much to it like Okay, this is going to sound horrible, but in the way of like cheating, okay, say you're with somebody and they cheat on you with somebody that's really attractive. That makes the me, that makes me feel like, oh my God, I need to look better. I need to look hot. I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to change myself so that I can be more attractive than that person. Or you have the other way where they cheat on on you with somebody that is you see as not very attractive at all. And then you're like, what in the world? Like, what do they see in that person when I feel like I'm trying my best over here? Like, it's such a self-esteem, self-confidence blow. It is. And where I would speak to this and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not giving any like advice, if you will. I'm not saying that I can, um, you know, solve this whole conversation around cheating or anything like that when I'm about to share. But when it comes, because like, you know, cheating feels very, very this or that, right? Like you cheated and that's that. Like there's no, in our minds, we think there's no way to to reframe that, no way to manipulate that, right? It feels very cut and dry, very clear. Right. What we want to do in that situation is invite ourselves to do some inner work. I'm not saying in any way that you could have prevented the cheating. I'm not saying in any way um, that, like that was supposed to happen or anything like that. Like that's not what this is about. When something happens to us, and in this case it's cheating because this is such a something that just shows up regularly, right? Right. We want to look at the narrative that's going that's going on. It's – and we could very – you know, it would be 
easy for us to say, you know, she's so much better looking than us or, oh my gosh, like she's, she's not, you know, but at the same time, we want to look at like, what is that narrative that's popping up in our heads? Cause sometimes it's not that sometimes it's, oh my gosh, she has such a better job than me. Or, you know, she, she has these two degrees or, you know, it might be something else. It's not always going to be about looks, but. Right. That's where everybody goes in their mind. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's I'm definitely- just being honest. That's that you have to be superficial like that. Cause that's the first thing, you know, you don't know what their job qualifications are or anything. You just like, look her up on Facebook. I want to see what she looks like. Right. And then you see, she's like, you know, 10 out of 10 went to Harvard. Her, you know, parents have three houses and a lake house and you're like, Oh goodness. You know? Yeah. But (laughs) what I will say to that is sometimes it feels like it's this conversation around like confronting them and like, how could you do this to me? And then there might be a time and place for that. But then there's also a time and place to remember, like, in this experience, like, who you are, like, who you are truly, and that, you know, their actions are, like, just a true, genuine reflection of, like, their mindset at the time for cheating, and that, like, what they have chosen to do is not a reflection of you whatsoever, And if you're feeling that there are these narratives coming through, you're seeing the narrative, she's so much prettier than me, like, clearly you don't love me, like, you want to, you, you know, you never thought I was, like, you have those narratives, like, that's, that is then your work to do in this scenario. So it's not your work to, like, go and wish it didn't happen, go and say work. Yeah, it's done. It's already happened. Yeah. But you can do the inner work on the narratives that pop up for you in that situation. So you can see the situation for what it is, which is most likely that, you know, that person cheating is, uh, you know, too afraid to really talk intimately about what they need in the relationship or felt too scared and whatever, whatever their narrative is, that is not an excuse for what they did. But you will not see it as your responsibility for, for why they did what they did. You will see, see, you know, you'll, you'll clear your side of the street up when you do the inner work so that you don't carry that into your next relationship, constantly wondering if they're then going to cheat on you. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause that would be the next thing. It's like, how do you know, then you could trust the next guy or girl that comes around like because then you get that jaded like oh they're all the same kind of mentality exactly so, so that's where inner work okay so what would be the first step when when we say inner work I mean do you want to go to a therapist do you want to meditate do you want to read a book like people are angry that this has happened they're mad that they may have gotten broken up with they're not the one that was necessarily in charge of the breakup so what's what do you think is the best first step to take I have a really strong belief that we are, we're guided to certain things. Um, But I will say inner work is like I shared in my story. So, so unfortunately in my mind, you know, it took me a year to get to the inner work place. I actually don't, I don't really know if people can get to the inner work place on day one. Sometimes you can, you know, if it's, if it's looming for you, but when I think about the things that have have shown up for me, like it's not that I, I'm like, I'm going to go get that book. Like sometimes a book just lands 
in your lap. Yes, I believe so, that. You know, because you'll give somebody, and I don't know if you've experienced this before, but, you know, you'll be like, you should read this book. Like, this book changed my life. And they're just like, it just sits on their desk. Like, you literally hand it to them. It just sits on their desk. They're not feeling guided. And I think some people are guided day two to do breath work. And it, like, changed their lives. And some people are guided to read that book. Some people Google how to get over a breakup and they see a breakup coach. Or some people are like, no, I know I want to do online therapy right so it's like it I it's like sounds like a really obvious question that you're asking you know just Nance what's your opinion like come on you're the breakup coach but what I will say to you is there's you know a a guiding force out there that's actually kind of walking you through your breakup right now and you will feel intuitively guided to do certain things just be like "Mm, I think I want to go talk to that friend or I don't know why I want to call my mentor right now or I, I, I feel like I'm going to take myself out for coffee to the bookstore. It's like when you get that nudge, there's something waiting for you that's, that's along your journey to healing. It's not any one book. It's not immediately getting a therapist if you don't want to because, you know, people go to therapy all the time because they think that's what they should do and then they don't. They get a little bit of healing, you know, but you have to be guided to something. This is my belief mm-hmm. in order in order to hear the message that's that's there. Well, and sometimes time, just time helps because it, I do 100% believe that it is like a death because yeah. I went through a divorce and you do go through those stages of loss, anger, you know, all of that, or at least I did. Um but initially it's anger and it's a lot of anger. Like you, you feel like your next step is setting their house on fire. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, I mean, it takes a while to get through some of those steps. It's not necessarily something where you can do a quick, quick version and, and get there. You know, what do you think would be a, another way of saying inner work so that people can kind of picture what that looks like? Cause inner work seems like, far off like what what is that what is inner work yeah um personal development uh spiritual growth um self-help basically yeah like some people have and I know this was the case for me like when I started working with my spiritual coach she kept saying the word self-love it used to trigger me so much because I'd be like ugh, that's such a like stigma. a woo-woo term. Yeah. 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 A lot of those words have stigma. And that's why I just, I wanted to know if there were other terms that you could use because inner work might be something that sets somebody off, you know, where they're like, what the hell does that even mean? Yeah. <laughs> that's why I was like, where do you start? But I guess you start where, wherever you're at. Yes. Because you might be angry or you might be sad or what do you think is the best case scenario when you've got kids in the picture? Like say you're a single parent and you have been dating this person for a year and a half and they go away and your kid has met this person like not only are you going through this breakup but now you've got this child that's like where did George go you know well I think you know it's it's really really hard for me to say I'm not a parent um so it would be it'd be pretty challenging for me to answer that but I think again, like everybody has their own unique journey. And I think, 
having kids is most certainly a level to that. And I think the the first thing that I want to say right away is like, when you have kids, you still deserve to date and get to know somebody. And if it doesn't work out and, you know, the kid is attached, it's, it's still not your job to try to like repair it so that the kid has what's perceived as like a, a stable, right. You know, like you still yes. have to take care of yourself in your dating life and you're, you know, Unique. It's touchy. I understand. And I, when I went through my divorce, a lot of people were like, you know, I would hear stay in it for the kids, stay in it for the kids. I got out of it for my kids. You know, for me, it was like, I didn't want them to think that the relationship that I was in was the resemblance of a happy, normal, stable relationship. I didn't want them to grow up thinking that that's what it was to model yeah. after. And yeah. um, so that's where I'm kind of like, you're going through it on your own anyway, but then you've got these one child, five children, whatever, that are just like, you're having to try and help them process it as well. So it's tough. I'm not expecting you to fix it. I was just curious because there are so many emotions that the person going through the relationship is going through. And then to think that you have to sit there and try and, you know, not cry in front of your kid or whatever. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Like there's that's a lot that's a lot to have as part of it too it's it's so much and the one thing that I will say is you know kids they're they're so incredibly intuitive when you as a parent are choosing the highest level of self-love in your decisions wherever that leads you like your kids picking up on that strength and resilience even if that might not externally be what it's looking at. I talk to people actually quite regularly who are adults or in their like early to mid twenties too, who talk about the type of strength that their parents had to go through some of the circumstances they went through. Whereas I know um, when I talk to somebody say in their forties or fifties who are talking about what their kids had to be subjected to, um, it's like the parent sees it like so negatively and the kid sees it who's now an adult and talking to me sees their parent totally differently. So I think parents are experiencing a very different level of guilt or shame around just trying to be the perfect parent, which doesn't exist on top of trying to be human and trying to, you know, get into a relationship or be a wife or, you know, right. whatever the case is. But I wanted to kind of share that because I think. I, I do think that like parent guilt is really real and it sometimes maybe could even stunt you um, from, from doing what you want to do because you're so afraid that anything could negatively impact your kid. Well, and I, I kind of had a light bulb moment when you were saying that because it's like um, t taking kids out of the mix. It's the pressure we put on ourselves to be the perfect daughter, the perfect whatever, perfect girlfriend, perfect wife, perfect sibling. Um, we put that pressure on ourselves for God knows what reason. <laughs> oh, I mean, who, oh, who yeah. are we trying to impress here? But um, we all do that regardless if there's kids in the mix or not. We all try and, and we put too much pressure on ourselves and then shame on ourselves if things don't go quote unquote perfect. Exactly. It's like we – we don't even realize it's like going back to the backpack analogy that you shared earlier. 
we carry this like guilt and shame and we're it's almost like we're walking on eggshells and at any given moment like we'll slip on we'll slip on something and there will fly out like all the guilt and shame that we've been carrying with us but we've been like trying to bury it it's like you know because we don't want to feel those feelings all the time at all but when it happens we go immediately to self-judgment and blame instead of compassion which is the only tool that we can really use to right. to heal heal ourselves in that moment when it comes up yeah cuz i always have said to my friends and stuff when they're beating themselves up i'm like would you ever let anybody talk to me like that would you ever let anybody talk to your mom like that like the way that we talk to ourselves is horrible sometimes yeah and we never let somebody talk to our best friend that way or a relative that way, but yet we will talk to ourselves in that negative way. And it's just not healthy. That's why I think, you know, again, inner work, it's like anything that you're saying that has kind of a harsh tone to it. And we all know what that is. We don't even need to define that. Right. Anything, anything that does not feel loving is coming from is coming from a narrative that's showing up, you know, in the harshness of, you know, one of your parents or the harshness of a teacher, even like that isn't you. That's a conditioned narrative that exists. Right. And it's like, that's sometimes, and I regular, like I swear I do inner work every single day. Anytime I get triggered or get down on myself, I just ask myself, like, Nancy, where is this coming from? Like, what? <laughs> Right. Like, I know that's not you talking, but you, you, or if I'm like learning a new skill, I'll immediately be like, well, I'm not good. I'm not good right now. It's like, well, duh. That's like kind of an obvious. You're just learning something new. Or why do you expect to be an expert? And I kind of like go down. Um, I won't air anything out personally, but I'm like, oh yeah, I could easily see, you know, who, yeah, who, who's, who, conditioned me to think that way because I've now adopted this thinking from that person. It just change the thought. Just yeah. So you have it, just change it. Yeah. Change it. Not, it doesn't have to be Pollyanna perfect, but just instead of, um, you're not good at this, just, you're not good at it yet. Exactly. You're, it. you're getting better at it <laughs> or something along those lines. Exactly. Uh, I feel like I could talk to you for like 10 hours. We got so deep. <laughs> This is so, yeah, super, super deep. Thank you for inviting me to, to this conversation. Oh my God. I loved it. Okay. So promote yourself. Tell people where they can find you. You can find me at hellobreakup.com, be it my online courses, anything from just like healing courses to help you get through it, to manifesting your dream partner, to um, booking a session to help help you do either of those things one-on-one -on -one with me. Awesome. I love what you're doing for people. It's so positive and needed, um, especially in this kind of day and age where, you know, you just swipe to the left or swipe to the right. <laughs> Make it seem like very simplistic. And it's like, it's not regardless of how they end up at your house, you still have to deal with them in a relationship. So um, it's all very important. And thanks for what you're doing. I love it. Thank you. And I, I cannot believe we did not even touch on online dating. So maybe we'll have to save that for another time. <laughs> I'd love to have you back. Honest to God, like I said, we got really deep and I love going deep, but at the same time, it's kind of fun to have the light, the light stuff too. So yeah, if you're willing to be on again, I'd love to do that. Cool. Let's do it. 
All right. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Nancy Ruth Dean, for being on my show. And I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Don. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Yo. Bye.